Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio. I'm here with my friend and co-author Nancy Sexton Lopez. And this is a program that we do every Thursday from 6 p.m. Eastern to about a half hour from now. And it is an opportunity for us to share some thoughts on the topic of pet loss and healing. And it's a way for us to extend the reach of the work that we did that ended up to be the book, The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. And a lot of what we do in this program is we share stories from mm -hmm. audience members because we know that it's very helpful for other people to hear stories that resonate with their own. And there are just so many lessons in the stories that people share about their losses and, and how they're doing in the aftermath of them. And so you can reach us and send us a story or you can send us a recommendation for a topic or a recommendation for a guest. We appreciate all of those things. You can send an email to me at kenddv at gmail.com. You can reach Nancy at nsaxtonlopez at csmpc.com. And all the information I'm sharing in this beginning is in the description that is right underneath the, either the video cast or the podcast, however you may be getting the story, getting this podcast or getting this information. And you will, if you do send us a story, please let us know if it's okay to share on the program. If it's, if it is, that's great. If it's not, that's fine too. We'll respond mm -hmm. to you in any case. And you may tell us that you, you'll be happy to have us share the program, but you'd like for us to not share your identity maybe, or maybe not share particular parts of the story. We're good with whatever your recommendations are. You can support our work in a number of ways through Venmo, through PayPal, through a monthly subscription. All of the above, again, are in the program description. We like you to know that this program is a friend of Dakin Humane Society in Springfield, Massachusetts. You can learn more about Dakin at dakinhumane.org, D-A-K-I-N-H-U-M-A-N-E.org. They offer all kinds of programs in addition to shelter and adoption services. One of the programs that they offer is a pet loss support group via Zoom that I facilitate once a month. And it is cost-free. It is usually on the second Thursday, I'm sorry, second Tuesday, Tuesday. of the month. Very confused right now. <laughs> Tuesday of the month from 6 to 7.30 p.m. And you will find an RSVP link in the program description. Because I'm gonna be traveling over the next couple of weeks, July's program is actually on the third Tuesday of the month, which is July 18th. And again, you can find the link. There is no cost. You can dial in or zoom in, I should say, from anywhere in the world, and people do. And if you please, please consider pressing the subscribe button on YouTube because this helps make the program more visible. It raises the program's place on the list when people look for resources for pet loss. So if you can do that, that would be greatly appreciated. And also, I just want to let you know that because I'm going to be traveling next week, we will have a recorded program. So on July 6th, we'll have a recorded program. We're not going to have a program for the 13th. And then we will be back again live on the 20th. So just wanted to give you those program notes. Nancy, want to get us started? 
Yes. <clears throat> now I'm a little distracted because I have my boogie here and I have to be petting him or he will start to bark. I think he'll leave in a few minutes, but um, we have two, you know, very heartwarming, heartbreaking stories, which all of our stories are. And again, we thank people that really allow us to share their stories because sometimes as, as the one you'll, you'll hear next week that we recorded, um, some are very challenging, right? It's very raw, right? And, and to be able to allow other people who are suffering and, and grieving to hear them is, is really important um, and helpful. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, um, tonight, I'm going to uh, share the story of, um, of Holly and close to my heart, her pug, there's a bark, um, her pug beetle, which I think is such a cute name. <laughs> and there he and, is. You know, I mean, pugs are, I've had eight pugs. And so I, you could say that I'm a pug person. Um, and she, she actually uh, echoes this. So this is her story. First, thank you for your podcast. I'm sure that listeners are comforted by your advice and that they feel less isolated during their grief journey. Your podcasts have been helpful to me and have promoted the release of so many emotions as I listen to your show each week. I'm grateful you answered the call to your vocation. I was also touched to know that Nancy had been inspired to start the Pestlock Support Group after the loss of her pugs. Pugs are a special breed, as you know. I discovered your podcast the day of the death of my eight-year-old black pug, Beetle. We adopted him from rescue approximately six years ago. He was a beautiful soul with such a tender heart and calm disposition. He loved everyone and his sudden absence leaves an enormous chasm in our lives. So much of our daily routines were scaffold, scaffolded around his special needs. Shortly after adopting him, he developed back like weakness and ataxia which is an abnormal gait when, when walking that resembles often comically snuffle, snuffle pegus. Oh, from Sesame Street. I hope Snuffleopagus. I said, thank you. Thank you. It's been a while since You're I've seen it. You're on your Sesame Street. Um, we learned that ataxia was a symptom of pug myelopathy, a progressive disease that over time can completely remove their ability to walk and often causes issues with incontinence as well. Thankfully, this degenerative disease is not known to be physically painful to the pug, but regardless, it is a painful process to witness as the pug parent. He was so happy and delighted in everything, in our routines, all the moments of the day, and delighted especially in food, of course, he's a pug, and the time to, to just cuddle and be close, another pug issue. Uh, very little could upset him, and he was the embodiment of equanimity. He was one chill pug. As the disease progressed, it became essential for me to always walk around our yard with him, never far from his side, as he continued to remain ambulatory up until his death, but he would often topple over when posturing to urinate. He was never in a hurry for any of his bodily functions, and instead took joy in every moment looking around him in attentive wonder, delighting in every aspect of his senses. He was mindfulness personified. 
He taught me to slow down and simply embrace each moment. His ability to be aware of the sensations of his bladder over time also diminished another part of this cruel disease, so I had to be sure that he was even urinating at all. Again, this demanded my ever-present watchfulness. Weeks before his death, I learned how to catheterize him in order to allow him to empty his bladder if he wasn't able to. I wanted to be able to offer any support or intervention within my power to give him the best quality of life possible for as long as possible. He also was on several meds and these helped him maintain function as well. Different parts of each day was oriented around all of his needs and could be challenging to balance with other responsibilities. But it was a joy and I tried to embrace each moment. Whether it was a hard day or a better day, I would simply say with radical acceptance, so this is what we're doing today and cherish what I knew was fleeting time, more moments behind us than before. Sadly, he rapidly declined after successfully battling a urinary tract infection. His normally robust and perpetual appetite suddenly ceased and he showed signs of discomfort. After a day of no improvement, I brought him into the animal hospital for blood work and tests. And after not being able to determine what he wasn't eating, we finally learned that he had stomach cancer. Always prioritizing his quality of life, I discussed at length with my veterinarian his prognosis, but his future with the cancer was short, only days without eating, and his quality of life nil considering he couldn't or wouldn't eat or take medication, which could have afforded comfort for a very short period of time. His degenerative disorder had already prepared me for the likelihood of a shorter lifespan, but the cancer cruelly stole us from us any future that could allow him to remain happy. I made the decision for euthanasia, the most humane action to take in consideration of his current suffering. It was an agonizing decision as my heart wanted him to stay, but could not bear his continued suffering or sadness. He was peacefully released back to heaven while in my embrace. His sudden stillness at that moment was so shattering and remains a terrible refrain in my heart as I write this to you. He was the best boy. As with any loss, everything can seem off kilter and out of balance after a death, and Beetle dying was no exception. So much of every moment was structured around his well-being and needs. I know I had done everything I could for him during his beautiful but foreshortened life, so I did not experience guilt with this decision. But I did feel the oppressive weight of responsibility that all pet parents carry and may not feel fully until these final decisions have to be made. But with great love comes great responsibility, and only I could sadly assent to this final act of love and release him from the burden of suffering. I'm so grateful to have been blessed by the company of this sweet soul, and I know we will see each other again. I feel him everywhere in my home, especially outside where he loved to sunbathe on our backyard patio. I have his cremains in a beautiful wooden container next to the cremains of our other dog, Myrtle, an elder chihuahua with, who only one year ago died suddenly in the middle of the night in my arms from heart failure and old age. Our precious pets live on in our hearts. I have dwelled co-located with death from a young age, and so this grief is not a new companion for me. But when I walk with 
only through radical exception, acceptance, faith in God, and heavy reluctance, as I wish it could have been different. Every moment of joy with my dogs was worth the suffering I now offer up. I will continue to adopt dogs from rescue and reserve a place for another pug when I'm ready and healing. Again, thank you for your podcast and time. Please feel free to share this. Now, she is so eloquent in some ways. Yeah, How really she is. has written her journey yeah, through yeah. this, through the yeah. death of this of both of her dogs, but this was more about Beetle. Yeah. Amazing. And here's here's Myrtle, by the way. Yeah. Myrtle and Beetle. Yeah, Beetle. I mean, it so, was. Yeah, I, she's one of the few people who said, so I did not experience guilt with the decision. And then she goes on and says, but I did feel the oppressive weight of responsibility that all pet parents yeah. carry and may not fully feel until these final decisions have to be made. But with great love comes great responsibility. I thought that was so beautiful. And I'm grateful to have been blessed by the company of a sweet soul. And we will see each other again. And she believes that he has been there, right? Yeah. Along yeah. with Myrtle. Um, but with great love comes responsibility. That's what you said. I mean, he, she was able to, even though she was so sad and would rather him live, she knew that he was suffering and in pain and his quality of life was not there. And so with great love comes great responsibility. I only, and only I could sadly ascend to his final act of love and release him from the burden of suffering. Uh, I mean, it's actually, it's, it's very, it's very interesting. It's, it's a lot to think about because in a way she's, what I take away from this is she says, you know, many times we call that experience guilt, but it might also just be called the heaviness of this responsibility responsibility and and so it it really gives quite a bit of food for thought the way that she expresses this and and that's true of course that she was the only person who could make this decision it could be there could be lots of suggestions and of course she had she had that she had great support and she had great information coming from veterinarian but she's the only person who can say yeah yes. let's, we have to do this I'm, I'm, i've made this decision yeah yes. so it's very it's something i'll think about for some time about this this sort of distinction between guilt and the burden of responsibility and it she that phrasing is is very useful i think it's very useful well, the other thing I too at euthanasia, I think she could feel the weight, right? I mean, but yeah. that's you know, I we didn't euthanize Jack that long ago in March, and and that was really, it really struck me that at death he there's a let go, and yeah, there is yeah. somebody I'm I'm working with, and she had said when they picked her cat up and the legs dangled, right? It was that it was this that's the heaviness that you know that the pet is no longer alive, right? So, and that's such a, um, you want to, and if you're there for it, it's wonderful, but it's so sad in some ways. It's, it's just so, so sad because it's immediately when a pet or a human being dies, the, the, the body that remains looks very different. It doesn't look yes. like them anymore somehow. I know. It's, it's no longer animated. And it's so 
obviously, it's so obviously vacant. Yeah. And, and so, right, vac vacant's a good word for yeah, that. Yeah, there's like mm -hmm. there's no the soul isn't there anymore. It's right. it's, it's the it's it's, it's one of the things that that I've always noticed about when uh, when one of my parents died or or when one of my pets died that mm -hmm. it's just all of a sudden they're not there. Now that the vessel's there, but the soul yeah, is gone. Yeah, they're just not there. And and in some way, it's, you know, it, it kind of just reinforces reality because you know that the spirit is just, is, as, as she writes, is free. The way I, that's, that's what I take away from what she said. It's free. And so it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful yes, story. Yes, and so we thank her very, very much. Yes, Holly, thank you so much. And, and you know, day. my heart's with you, with all my little puggies that are yeah. out here in my memorial garden. Right? Yeah. <laughs> You're a pug person. I am a pug person. <laughs> so I'll go on and now read Amanda's story about her cat, Tim. Tim. Mm -hmm. And so Amanda writes, I just found your podcast and I want to tell you how much I appreciate you and your work on Tuesday, I put my beloved cat, Tim, to sleep. This has been the most devastating experience of my life. How many times have we heard that? Many, many, many times. Many, 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 many times. times. The most devastating experience of my life. Tim came into our life five years ago. He was a stray that just came up to our door and was special from the start. He was so friendly and loving, never met a stranger. He was my shadow, always by my side whenever I went, wherever I went. He was truly an angel of a cat, never scratched anyone, loved to be held like a baby. A year after Tim joined us, another stray came up and he looked almost like Tim. They became so close, always cuddling and cleaning each other, playing, I believe, in my heart that they were related. We named him Phil. So I'll show you this is a picture. And of they, you, we can't tell them apart. You don't, know, you don't know who's Tim and who's Phil. Phil or Tim. <laughs> Being that Tim was only about six years old, his death or potential death was nowhere on my mind. In February, he started having these strange episodes where he would not move for hours at a time. He would just sit and stare. It was sporadic. And then the next day, or even a few hours later, he seemed fine again. I, look, I took him to the vet and was reassured that he was fine. I had the vet run every test they could, ultrasound, etc. all seemed normal. It continued to happen. I was told that I may need to get him an MRI. This cost $3,000 just for the test. I was now faced with spending this amount of money to try and save my pet. I was so stressed and worried because I couldn't live with myself if I didn't do everything I could for him. I took him to another vet who had previously worked at the state animal hospital where I would have gone for the MRI. He was very knowledgeable and gave me hope that there were several things that could be causing this. We treated him for high blood pressure as the vet told me that blood pressure can trigger neurological symptoms. That didn't work, but the vet continued to reassure me that we had options before the MRI. We began a round of clindamycin to try and treat toxoplasmosis if that was the potential cause. The last night of the clindamycin, it was like he was revived. I was tentatively optimistic. He kept improving and for three solid days, my wonderful Tim was back. 
the dosage of the medication was a lot for a cat. And as he improved, it became more difficult to get a full dose in him. On the fourth day, I noticed the signs again of the neurological episodes. I thought that maybe it was due to the fact that the meds were not at full dose. I took him into the vet last weekend on Friday while he was in the throes of a silent seizure. They kept him comfortable and gave him fluids until it ended. They gave him the meds. And on Saturday morning, I got a call saying he was back to normal. I spent Sunday thinking that everything was great and he was on his way to being cured. On Monday, the vet texted me and said that Tim wasn't doing well, laying down and not, and just not as good as Saturday. He came home Monday afternoon and was a little wobbly, but I assume this was from being at the vet, having IV fluids, etc. The vet also gave him a second steroid, I'm sorry, gave him a steroid shot in an attempt to treat potential brain inflammation, just in case that was it. Tuesday morning, I woke up, heard him trying to go down the stairs. Once he got to the bottom, he fell over and could not get back up. I picked him up and took him into a blanket. I could hear that his breathing was labored. Mm -hmm. It was at this point that I knew it was time. I called the vet and my father drove me and Tim to the office, crying and holding him the entire hour drive. I thought about all the memories. I spoke to him and told him how much I loved him. He looked at me with those green eyes and it just broke my heart. The vet could not have been more compassionate. They confirmed what I already knew and had worried about since this all started. It was likely a brain tumor and it had advanced. We had done all we could. The ups and downs of his symptoms, the false hope of the medicine, the fear in the back of my mind that one, that none of the treatments would work. And finally, seeing his eyes as I told him goodbye, I've never felt this kind of pain and loss. I know I did the right thing by Tim, but now I'm left with so much emptiness and pain. I've had many pets in my life, but I've never dealt with a neurological issue. It was just insidious with the way it affected Tim. It progressively worked its way until he could no longer function. It also made it hard to diagnose because the symptoms would come and go before I could get him to a vet. I can barely look at the other cat, Phil, because all I can see is Tim there with him. It's only been four days, so I know things will improve. Listening to your podcast is helping me. I'm trying to focus on the good times and the joy we had, but I'm not ready yet. I long for the day when I can think back fondly without all this grief. This, this sec, recent episode about the anticipation of grief really hit home. Writing this email and sharing the pain helps. I pray there is a heaven and that Tim will be there waiting for me. Thank you for everything you do, Amanda. So another very heartfelt, very, very heartfelt note. You know, we, you and I have gone through this, though, and I could so resonate with this that, you know, as an illness progresses, right? So the yeah, illness yeah. is there and they're all of a sudden, oh, he, she or he got a treatment. Oh, he's better, right? Oh, good. So then you go along and then all of a sudden crash. And then, he, then there's something that's not right. I mean, I'm dealing with this right now with Ellie. Yeah. You know, she's good, yeah. she's not, she's good, she's not. And you get this, you feel better about it. And then all of a sudden, oh, here it comes again. And so, and that also begins the anticipatory grieving. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, it's not going to end. Yeah. Well. And, and, and this whole thing too, where 
their symptoms, and then you they you take them to the vet, and they they appear to be fine. It's one of the hardest things to live with because it's impossible to figure out what's really happening. And another thing that that her story illustrates is, you know, sometimes you come up against a a roadblock in terms of a fee. Yes. There are not many people who have $3,000 lying around. <laughs> and so it's a very good idea to have a sense of what's the limit. Yeah, and she, right. She was very resourceful in finding a vet who said, well, we can, we can, we try can do it for things. less than that. Right. Yeah, we can try some things that are very possibly the cause of this. Because really, when you think about it, what the MRI is going to do is show you what's causing it, but still it's not going to treat what's causing right. it. And so it made sense for her to, to take this course. And it actually did give some relief for a time. And, but that's what many people have to do because they just don't have the funds. And so it's a good, it's a good idea to have in mind, as we've talked about a limit, like what is the limit that you can afford to pay for for whatever treatment it might be. I mean, yes, there are, there are methods by which people can access, but you have to clear a evaluation process. Like there's, but again, it's help. I guess part of the commitment, and this is hard for folks, there's either you have money put away or you have some sort of insurance and insurance costs. I mean, you're going to pay insurance every month. Yep. However, if something catastrophic or very serious happens, then that insurance will pay most of it. So it's like insurance, right? I mean, yep. we have insurance and, you know, yep. well, but for some people, that's not even, they, they can't even do that, right? Yep. Yep. You want to have this beautiful animal and and you, and, and you want to love them and, and have them in your life. But as we all know, animals get old too and they get sick. They do, absolutely. And and we do actually have in the description the final the final piece of information is about there is a link to various sources of financial assistance if your pet needs expensive care and it's way it's outside what you can afford. So it's just important to know that there are some resources, which was news to me when I heard about it. About yeah, that. there are there are quite a few, and some of them are specific to breed, um, but also, I mean, for people to know, there's monies put into those funds in the beginning of the year, but depending on how much is used, there might may, may not be so many funds at the end of the year. Wow. So, okay. you know, th- this is, this is, a, this always will be a struggle, Yeah. you yeah, know, yeah, um, yeah. financially, yeah. it's always yeah. a struggle. Well, for human beings, it's a huge, you know, yeah. a major cause, the first cause of bankruptcy in the United States is, is, medical, is, is, is medical, right? I mean, that's a whole side conversation that we needn't get into, but we want to be uh, very, th- we are very thankful to Amanda oh, as well. Yes, thank you, Amanda. Very powerful story. And again, yeah. she's like working through all these different changes in condition and it's just very difficult. It's very yeah. difficult. And so I'm sure many people who hear this will recognize part of their own experience. Oh, sure. Yeah. And we thank, we thank both Holly and Amanda again. 
thank and you. We want to remind you one more time if you can if you can possibly go to YouTube and subscribe. That's helpful for the visibility of the program, getting it in front of other people who would benefit from from it as a resource as well. So Nancy, always great talking with you. I will look thank forward you, to talking with you again in a few weeks. A few weeks, although there will be a program, be a program next program week. Next week, yes. Hey, so take, take care, care everybody. Bye-bye.